Welcome to the Language, Literacy, and Play Collective podcast, where we share tips and strategies to support language, literacy, and play in all children. This podcast is hosted by two sisters who share a passion for all things language, literacy, and play. I'm Liz, a speech therapist and behavior analyst. And I'm Stephanie, a literacy specialist and former classroom teacher. Our goal is to provide information that is inclusive and accessible so that all parents and educators can best support their kiddos at home and in the classroom. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Hannah Stroud on from My Literacy Space and we are excited to talk to her all about wordless picture books. So this is a topic that's new to me. I think Stephanie has a little bit of background with wordless picture books. Me as well. Yeah, awesome. So before we get into the topic, um, welcome Hannah. Can you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am a literacy tutor and a consultant in Calgary, Alberta, which is in the western part of Canada. And I have, I'm currently for my new fall, have 31 students that I see and I support everything in literacy. So if it's um, reading or spelling, writing stories, things like that. I also work with a speech language pathologist and we share some of our students. So I, I support with sort of some SLA stuff with her and just work a lot with little kids with language. So my current caseload probably is maybe age four to age, maybe grade three or grade four in age of, in sort of that age range. So it's, everything is language and literacy based. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Okay. So our next, well, I guess our first wordless picture book question um, is, could you provide us a little bit more background or information on what exactly a wordless picture book is? Right. So they are usually written and illustrated by the same person. There's not very many that would have one as the author and what another person as the illustrator. But basically, they could be completely wordless, but there's a few books that are pretty good that just are like nearly wordless. So they might just have one word that's reinforced all the way through. I can think of one that's called Ball. I think her name, um, the author is Beth Sullivan. And literally the whole book, just the word is ball, ball, ball. Or um, Hug is another one by um, Jez, I think uh, their name is. So there's a couple that would have just like um, one word throughout. And really the pictures are what is driving the storyline. So it definitely follows, you know, a beginning, a middle and end. Oftentimes there is a problem and a solution. They might have, you know, the problem and then a few attempts to solve the problem. And then the resolution at the end, they have tons of, you know, feelings and emotions that are captured that kids really have to pay attention to facial features as well as body language. But basically it's a book that is driven solely by illustrations. Awesome. Is there a typical length or is it typically the same amount as a picture book would be? So there's different that that's a really good question because there would be definitely ones that I I talked about them in like in stages. I don't want to say that they're sort of like levels, but like there would be a beginning stage where I would say they're just very simplistic. So it's a very linear storyline. There's not much inferencing that kids have to be doing with it. They're just really kind of um, 
it's a literal interpretation of the story. You know, in the one ball that I was talking about, the little dog wants to play ball and there's, you know, the little girl wakes up and they play ball together. She has to go to school. Then all the day long, all he wants is a ball and he's thinking of the ball. He's dreaming of the ball. He's trying to get everybody in the house to play a ball with him and no one will play ball with him. At the end of the day, the girl comes back and yay, ball. So it's very simplistic. There's no sort of offshoots. The Even the pictures themselves, it's one big image on a double page spread. It's not a ton of little detailed if you're talking about like more of an intermediate what would have maybe maybe the intermediate stage I would say would be more the same length as a picture book a regular picture book um, because it would have maybe some inset pictures in it and there's a little bit more going on and then we have complex where it's almost like a graphic novel without words so there's different state like sort of in the different stages I, that's why I kind of label it like that in just being able for whoever's going to sort of interact with that book, knowing where do we start? If we're going to start with a, you know, a three-year-old, I wouldn't suggest starting with a complex level of a book like that because there's just way too many pages, way too many concepts happening. There might be a hidden storyline under this main story and it's, they would miss all of it. We're, we want like for those littler kids, you know, some of those board books too are beginning, you know, we would have those simple stages for that kid where it's just maybe, maybe 20 pages even less if, if that makes sense. And then other ones would have more. So I would definitely kind of pay attention to that when you're looking at them because they're varied. Okay, cool. Um, as a speech therapist, I can think of, you know, all of the different benefits of wordless picture books. I can, I can say though, that I, I really haven't used them a ton. Um, so in, in your opinion, and maybe even, I guess, if you want to mention, I know you said you work with speech therapists. I don't know if, if, um, the speech therapist that you work with uses wordless picture books, but can you tell us just some of the benefits and some of the things that you might be working on with a child using wordless picture books? Absolutely. So um, if the book does have one word that could be a repetitive phrase, you know, we could be working on hug and we're just thinking about that, you know, that back sound for the G that we're going to help them with. Or if it's for ball, you know, we might, maybe they are working on the L or they might be working on the B or they might just, you know, be kind of just focusing on a repetitive phrase. It might be pointing out um, prepositions. So where is the ball? Is it in the puppy's mouth? Is it on the bed? Is it in the laundry basket? Things like that. Um, you're looking sort of even drawing attention, even as kids get older, you know, like those inferencing clues. So in that book ball, she's looking up at the clock at one point and kind of pointing to it. And, you know, like that could be really over sort of overlooked by a lot of kids until I can draw attention and say, why do you think she's pointing up at the clock, you know, and talking to her dog? What do you think she could be saying? Um, you can do a lot of your WH questions with it. Um, a lot of um, even just beginning to sort of describing words and those beginning, beginning vocabulary pieces, like they're just so, because there's no words, I think you can literally just change it to however and form fit it to exactly what that goal, the goals that those kids are working on. And the speech pathologist that um, I work with absolutely uses them. So we're, we're like just huge fans because you can literally target, I would say you could probably target any goal as a speech pathologist with a wordless picture book. Yeah, we actually had um, Callie Knight on, who is a speech therapist, and she, her area of expertise, or one of her areas of expertise is narrative development, too. So just, yeah. I can see, like, you know, yeah. that being a really great context to work on narrative development as absolutely, well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I definitely think when you're thinking of sort of like, 
you know, moving from a sound to a word, to a phrase, to a sentence, to narrating the whole picture book in, 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 in sort of entirety, like into paragraphs, you can start. The beauty of it is that the story is already structured for you. So those kids that really, you know, struggle with coming up with the idea, then formulating the sentence, then making sure that it matches, like the storyline is already created. So they still get their imagination, they still get to kind of exercise their creativity, but the biggest kind of trick piece for kids is sort of telling a story that actually makes sense, that has that beginning, middle and end, and this is great. And it also, because oral language precedes written language, we have to get those kids talking and, and um, really telling that story from that narrative piece to be able to then write it down on a story down on a piece of paper. So I use it all the way sort of right into writing with that. Yeah, I, I don't, I think we maybe touched on this before we started recording, but also just limiting the the demand or the pressure of having to read that, um, you know, like normal picture books and providing kids the opportunity to just kind of take away that pressure and interact with the book in a way yeah. that, that may be a little bit easier for them. Right. And I kind of like to say that there's like multiple entry points as well then to a wordless picture book, because whatever age or whatever ability um, and whatever skills that you're working on, you could do that literally with any wordless picture book, because you could just, you know, I can just pull one off the shelf. And I know that my kid that I'm working with that day is working on descriptive vocabulary. So let's point out all the nouns on the page and then like, let's describe, let's give some color words. Can you give a shape word? What about a taste word? Any five senses that you can see or imagine that would be on this page, um, helping them to be able to even work on simple and then complex sentences as they're talking as well. And then that goes right into writing. So I think some of those pieces as well as kids that are um, learning English as a second, third, fourth language to be able to kind of label things and help them, you know, um, from that perspective of showing the pictures. And a lot of them are really beautifully illustrated. So, you know, they don't have to be a photograph, although lots of times we love a photo for actually showing those, um, you know, things in the real world, but they're quite beautifully illustrated. And so, um, you know, picking the simple li uh, line of books maybe would be really great for English language learners. I've even used it with um, one little boy that I'm working with who is four and he has Down syndrome and we're working on a lot of sign language signs. So being able to use those and we can still, you know, his, you know, oral language is, is happening through sign. And so we're actually, you know, working on some of those pictures and then learning the sign for it or the color words or things like that. So I think that that's kind of a really great piece too, is that it's an entry point for so many kids. I would love to come to work with you for a day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and the borders and everything and we're allowed to, come on. <laughs> as you're rattling off all of these amazing ideas, I'm like then thinking of like, oh, you know, I'm no longer in the classroom and just wishing that, you know, if I could go back to writer's workshop, you know, a lot of students that I've had in the past have a really difficult time storytelling. So, you know, we'll go to rehearse our stories for writing. And they're like, what do you, what do you mean rehearse my story? And I've never, I never thought to like, I, you know, as a classroom teacher, I rarely used wordless picture books and I, I just like, I wish, I wish I could go back in time and try all of these things. I think that would be so valuable. Okay. So how would you recommend parents and educators use wordless picture books? 
So I created a free guide because I think that that's a question that I see a lot in my direct messages or even in an email or if I'm doing a, another you know, webinar workshop about other picture books and I will always throw a few slides in about wordless picture books and you know, they'll kind of say, well, like, why should I use them? Who do I use them with? Where can I use them? Like they're, they're just full of the same kind of questions that kids are. So I think here's my top five benefits. Um, I think the number one thing is really developing those social emotional skills because you have to pay so close attention to facial features and the body language and even drawing lines that the artist will include about, you know, if a dog is just running, well, you, you know, or are they like sprinting? You can tell by how many lines they might put or the, the way the muscles on the dog are drawn. So it's kind of developing a little bit of more sort of even like understanding or comprehension even of art, I would say sometimes because you're really having to pay attention to those details, which when we think about a picture book full of words, our main goal is read the words. And then we also have this, you know, when we talk about the three cueing system for reading in structured literacy, that's been like banned like we talk about like it's just we're not using the pictures to guess a word we're not using the pictures to like hope we get the context of the story in a written piece but we are kind of doing that a little bit in a wordless picture book so in a book where we have words our focusing it our focus skill is the decoding the word so we're like explicitly teaching them strategies to figure out the word and the pictures in those books are kind of just I'm not going to say fluff but they're they're a background piece many picture books now the they wouldn't be able to decode a word from the picture because the illustrations are, I think over the last 20 years, the illustrations of children's picture books have become like absolute works of art. Like you could frame some of these books and some of them just, they're not lending themselves to be able to do that. So that's not something that as when I'm teaching reading, I'm ever pointing out for decoding a word. But when I'm talking about using wordless picture books to talk about, you know, social emotional skills or literacy concepts of um, the beginning, middle and end or um, phonological awareness, you can play like an I spy with those books. You know, I spy something that starts with the t sound. Can you find it? And really helping those um, foundational skills that are going to be helping them decode or even spell words later on. I think that the third benefit I talk about is making those predictions and what is the difference between a prediction and an inference. And so those complex texts, you're making way more inferences than the simplistic texts where you're just making a prediction. So I give an example of like, in a book, if they said, um, Stephanie uh, threw her hands up into the air, sighed heavily and rolled her eyes kids would have to make an inference about how Stephanie is feeling. Whereas there's none of that text in a wordless picture book. So you're really looking into a, an action and a reaction within the story. So there's lots of prediction and inferencing practice throughout those. Um, and then even just expanding every single oral language piece that you can kind of think of, which all goes back into our writing skills of being able to expand those sentences, give it more descriptive instead of just saying the thingy or the, you know, the red one. And you're like, the red one, what? Right. And I really want them to be pulling that information. And then the last one, I, I just think a huge benefit is to encourage um, writing instruction. So again, like I said previously, the story structure is there and it has that strong beginning, middle and end. It has the first event, the second event, 
statement, it's got the kickoff, it's got all those pieces that you can then use, you know, the expanding expression tool or the mind wings where they've got their Brady tool, things like that, that can like link back, um, like even as a speech pathologist, use those tools in in um, sort of connection with those books. And then in the classroom, you're putting it more into um, teaching vocabulary. I mean, yes, you're doing that as an SLB too. I just mean like for a purpose of writing that specific story is really beneficial. So those would be my five top benefits that I think are, they make them the most versatile children's book I can think of. Definitely, as you're, as you're saying all of these things, I'm like, wow, it would be great to have a whole course on this, which I know you do have a course on this. We'll get to all of that good stuff kind of at the end of the episode, um, you know, sharing the resources you've created and some of the the additional, you know, courses and stuff like that. Perfect. Do you have like a progression, like as a parent, like I get a word, this picture book, like what do I do? (laughs) Like, I I know when I taught, I made a little, I know I mentioned, I think, again, before we were recording, I did like a little mini unit on wordless picture books. And I like, how do you approach the wordless picture book? If you were to sit down with a kid the first time with one and maybe it's new to them, is there something like, do you have a go-to? Yeah. So I think there's kind of, I teach my kids about um, like five different characters that they need to be as we go through the different stages of learning how to read it. And I talk a lot about that in my three-hour workshop. And the first one basically is kind of being the grocery shopper. And that's kind of where you're just making the obvious observations in the book. It's kind of like doing a, a brief picture walk where all they're doing is just saying like, I notice, I see, I observe. Oh, look at that. Like, and that's exactly what you do when you're grocery shopping or you're at the mall. You're like, oh, look at that nice shirt. Oh, look at those shoes. Oh, I like that, you know, whatever toy. And they're just kind of noticing and that's kind of what you're doing the first time and it's going to take lots of repetitious reading to be able to get the whole gist of the story so I often kind of will jot some notes about what I want them to notice in the book so that I'm kind of leading them down the path of instruction that I want a specific targeted goal met by the end of the time. So the first time obviously is just going to be that kind of grocery shopper where you're just looking at all the things because they're beautiful. They're beautifully illustrated. And, you know, for the, even, even if it's at a simple level, there's still lots of detail, even on a double page spread. That's like one main picture, Never mind the other picture books that would have like all the inset images or more cartoon or comic style with lots of, um, you know, the, the boxes on the page telling the whole story. So the biggest thing is like, start that vocabulary development and then start to notice what's happening at the beginning, middle and end, start to talk about, is there a problem? Who's the problem with? Um, Who are the characters? And it's all of those basic story elements that we need, even if I was telling you a personal narrative about what happened last night, right? I've got to think about what, what does my listener need to get the most information out of my story? If I forget the punchline, I leave you hanging. If I didn't tell you the setting, you're trying to kind of put all that information together. So all of those pieces really, I think, are are critical that kids are able to do that. And then let them have fun just kind of telling their own story. And every single time it could be different, right? You still have the characters could have a different name. The setting could be a little bit described differently. Um, The problem can even be kind of um, described a little bit differently each time. So every I I think it's just, um, I think 
here's a, something that I've listened to people saying to lately is they're saying like, my kids want me just to read the words and I don't have the time to make up the story in a wordless picture book. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I was like, isn't that kind of the whole point though of language and literacy is that sort of um, the curiosity of words and that word play is also so helping kids be curious about that. Like they're not, yes, we can give that direct instruction. And I believe, ex, you know, explicit instruction and being really systematic in stuff is really important, but you can play with the book. You And having that wordless picture book, you're playing with words, you're playing with the story, you're playing with the characters, giving them voices, practice what they would be saying back and forth. Like dialogue is huge because it's not written down. So they can literally almost do read it like a script, right? They can be like, and then she said to blah, blah, blah. And then he replied back. And then they said, and you're just turning the pages, having like a dialogue. And I think that that having them, well, how about I'll be the cat this time in the story and you be the lady and we'll tell the story. And every time you see the cat, you say what the cat would say, and I will say what the lady. So you're just playing almost like a script and it, it's, it becomes kind of like a fun game. They, they really enjoy it because they are taking part of it. But sure, it takes practice and it can feel a little bit uncomfortable because we're so used to text. Everything is driven by text and words around us. We don't give lots of those open-ended <laughs> moments where they can just explore. So I think a wordless picture book is also just an invitation for imagination too. Yeah, this is making me think so much of our conversation with um, SLP Nerdcast and also um, Steph and I have done um, like a little bonus module for Becca's book box all on the connection between language and literacy. So everything you're saying, it's like, oh my gosh, I could, I could ask you another million questions about how, you know, everything you're saying is like really resonating with me just based on the fact that, and you've kind of said this, like oral language is the foundation for literacy development. And, and I guess with, you know, the question of how do you help educators and parents know where to start? My mind also goes to like, just also knowing where your child is at in terms of their language level, like, and, and if you have a child who's not yet speaking or speaking in single words, maybe you're working on vocabulary development. You know, if you have a, a kiddo who's speaking in, you know, two or three word phrases, maybe you're working on just adding a little bit of language, like you were saying with like some of that descriptive language, maybe you're working on some WH questions and then all the way up to, you know, really starting with that narrative development and, and um, expanding into more of a storytelling, you know? Yeah. Focus. And I think like, yeah. And I think why, like I started, I don't know, I think I've done 20 episodes now on my IGTV and the very first one, I literally show people like, okay, I'm going to pull this book off the shelf. What do I do with it? And I kind of walk through those kind of beginning pieces. And I, I think it is really just encouraging people to kind of step out a little bit of the comfort of somebody else who's already written the words, because there are words to the text really in the picture, in the wordless picture book, there are like the author really did think of a storyline. They're not just random pages throwing in a book, right? So there is a story hidden there and that the driving them to that curiosity and um, just opening their mind to be able to practice dialogue, to be able to practice um, even just sometimes even just I'll do a, a, a partner telling of the story. Like I'm going to start us off on this first page. I want you to tell me the second page, but it's always after we've looked through the 
book multiple times. There's no surprises by the, so multiple reads are probably, I, I also think like of a regular picture book with words, parents also and, and other educators, you know, will say like, oh, I usually read a word, a, a book word once, and then I put it on the shelf and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, There's so much you can get out of a book by rereading it. And that's oh why gosh. kids, a lot, that's why kids will say, can we read this one again? Like there's some emotional, their connection to it that they're like, it made me feel happy or it made me feel safe. Or even just the fact that they're sitting together with you being connected. So I think a wordless picture book is another way to kind of just learn how to play, learn how to communicate, learn how to make a connection because it's a little bit, and yes, it is a little bit more involved when you're first learning how to kind of read one because mm -hmm. it's not given to you. It's not laid out. So you do have to be a little bit creative. Right. Right. Okay. We could ask a thousand more questions, but I, I, let's get to your favorite wordless picture books, a few of your favorites, and then where we can get more information, where we can find you, what resources you have, because this is a topic that I know I definitely want to learn more about and, and there's so much more to learn. So give us your favorites and then all of the, the resources you have. Okay. So my number one favorite wordless picture book ever is Hike, The Hike by Pete Oswald. And it is about a little child and their dad go on a hike. And it's got this just, um, first of all, they're, um, the characters are um, just so, they're endearing to you because there's this, you know, father and child going on this trip. And whether you can connect with it because you've done that before or because you've never done it and you're kind of curious about that, but it's got an environmental aspect to it. Um, it's got uh, memories. They kind of put their, all their pictures of their trip and they plant a tree. And there's, it's just such a great but and the the character the child in the in the book is also not you don't know if it's a girl or a boy so it's a great way to also practice the they them pronoun in the story because we don't know that it, it's not revealed to us and even in the front jacket it doesn't it's not revealed to us so I love a story like that where we can practice not just a he and she but also those characters that might go by they them um, I think it's just a really sweet book about even. Um, working together, there's, you know, sort of a little obstacle that they have to go through. So kind of all around, it's just got diverse characters. It's got a really great um, family story to it. The pictures, that would be, for me, that would be like an intermediate stage book because it's definitely not a beginner. Um, there's are some books, are some pages that have like a, an inset picture on it or like um, boxes with an extra picture on it so that you have to do a little bit more. And there's a little bit more inferencing because it's not obvious what the problem is at the beginning. So that's probably my number one favorite one. And then I'm a huge fan of bees. <laughs> and I know a lot of kids are really afraid of bees. And so one of my themed units that I do all the time in the spring and summer is a whole month about bees. And there's a couple really good uh, books. One is called Bee and Me by Allison Jay. And that's a really great one. It's it's um, fictional story, but it has lots of really good nonfiction facts about bees that we do a compare and contrast with a nonfiction text with words. So we kind of see like, even though in a story, you could still have um, non-fictional facts. So we kind of look at like historical fiction, or you could talk about, um, um, you know, like narratives that could have some factual pieces to it as well, even though it's a made up story. Um, so those would probably be my top two. Um, anything by Bill Thompson. So that's Chalk, the typewriter. Um, his other one is Fossil. Fossil is another fantastic one. And he has a really great add-on on his website 
for fossil, like a whole, I don't know, five or six page kind of extension activities, you know, how to make a word search, what important vocabulary you should get of it, what is a fossil, how to make fossils yourself, sort of doing as an extension activity with kids. So I just think that you can use a lot of those cross-curricular. So you can bring in anything from social studies that you're talking about. If there's some science facts, the B one is really great because you can talk about, or, or the hike is really important because you can talk about environmental issues and why planting trees are important and, you know, so things like that, I think, are great. Um, the storyline is also great, but I can tie it into so many things when kids are coming to me for tutoring that they need either pre-taught for another unit in science or something like that. So those would probably be my favorites. But check out my IGTV because every single week, like I'll post a new book um, and, you know, with over 200 in my collection, <laughs> I'll be here a while. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. We'll add some of those that you mentioned to the, the show notes as well. Um, and okay. Speaking of your IG TV, tell yeah. us, you know, where we can find you and all the good stuff you have to offer. Okay. So on Instagram, you can find me at my literacy space. And then every Wednesday for wordless Wednesday, I'll share an IGTV. And sometimes I'll just do a review in two minutes and I'll just kind of show a new book that I've been reading or one that I really love. And sometimes I'll go through the whole book and kind of do a whole extension activity that you could do. Or last week I shared a, another favorite is called Dog on a Digger. And that would be for younger kids. And we made a whole sensory bin with black beans. And then we're digging for letters. You could dig for words. You could dig for objects, whatever your goals are. You can just tie it in with a wordless picture book like that. So you could literally take one of those picture books and extend it for like a week or two because there's just so much that you can connect it with either in another curriculum area or just to keep developing the storyline of that so it's not usually it's not typically a one and done for me it's usually like over a big period of time so that i'm really seeing how they developed and i will also often record the kid tell it at the beginning. And then once we've worked on it for a few weeks, I'll get them to record them telling the story at the end of, you know, three week time. And it's like astounding how much their narrative um, storytelling like is, is just huge. And I think that's something in a lot of cultures that we've lost is that, that tradition of oral storytelling, you know, First Nations people, lots of different cultures have used that as a way of passing on traditional information or um, religious stories or morals or about famous people in their culture. And I think we just don't do that. And that that's why kids aren't really great at writing stories because they're not great at telling stories. So I think that's a, a big tie in for me all the time. So each week I share that on Instagram. That's a great point. They're not good at writing stories because they have not learned to tell stories yet. Yeah. So oh, if you, if you ask a kid to tell you even what they did last night, they'll say, Oh, like, you know, we played, we played, <laughs> we played what? They're like, I played a game. Oh, what game did you play? And you, it feels like you're like pulling, extracting this story out of them until they get what kind of information do I as the listener want to know? Right. I don't really want to know just game that, that my imagination is just left to be, you know, wide open. And I kind of want to know more because you are an interesting person. And I think that that when we can help them understand that through that story, we're connecting with somebody and we get to know them better. I think that makes a whole difference in the way that they then learn how to tell a story because they're thinking about 
you as the listener and what do you want to hear about me? What do you want to know? So that that's a that's a piece that I do every single tutoring session too, is we will always do a little personal narrative, even if it's only like five or six minutes, we work on that because it it's so ingrained in everything we're doing. We have, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. If I just said, I'm a tutor, <laughs> you'd be like, and, <laughs> right? There's all these open spaces where we're not trying to overfill them with words. We're just trying to help them tell the most important pieces in a story. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your course? And then you also have a, um, a resource. Yeah. So I think the number one thing that I get in my DMs is, can you find a picture book about... <laughs> blank. And it's usually about wordless picture books. So I just spent a whole week one day and I, one week, and I just spent like, I went through all the titles. I included the author and the illustrator. Then I included about five to 10 keywords. So if people are looking at a book about empathy or a book about friendship or a book about the environment, it will have all those keywords. And then I kind of put them in what stage of complexity that I would say either they're either beginning intermediate or complex. So that if a grade four teacher was looking for something on migration or something about the environment or something about bees specifically, those books will come up. So that's on my Teachers Pay Teacher store. Um, and then I also, my workshop I'm doing again in October and it is uh, wordless picture books. And I usually do a bonus of using wordless videos um, with students. So you could either do a whole class, small group, one-on-one, -on -one, online, in-person, um, whatever. I, I show just tons of different ideas and I give a whole sort of resource in that workshop where you get, here's my, here's the book. Here's how you start with it. Here's how all the extensions that you could do with it. And here's, you know, how to tie it in with lots of different curriculum pieces for different grades. So it's a good way to sort of, even, even as parents, because I think some parents are really wanting to support the SLP with their child. And so to be able to kind of show them, here's the book we've been working on. You can find it online or, you know, you could find it from the library. And this is what we're working on. And, and even from one week to the next week session to hear those kids um, retell that story and uh, is just really in interesting. I think it's really powerful for the kid too, wh whatever level they're at. Awesome. So the, the workshop would be for parents or educators? Yeah, it yeah. can be for anybody. Yeah, because I just break it down so, so easily that you could, there's, again, there's multiple entry level points. So I think it's just great for, because there's a lot of parents as well that I work with that are homeschool families, and they want to be able to use a wordless picture book, you know, cross curricular with different things or take it on a nature hike or, you know, take it to a museum. Well, there's tons of books that you could totally do that with um, that are wordless, and then you can, you know, have lots of break off activities for that. So yeah, for sure. It could be for an SLP. It could be for a teacher, um, any educator that's working with, there's a lot of really good ones, even that talk about feelings and emotions. So even as a therapist um, working with kids, I think there's a lot of really great books and you do have to know how to read them because you'll miss a lot of the information if you're just kind of show them the book and the kids aren't interested because you're not interested. Right. I, I just love talking to people who are passionate about <laughs> the things that they do and are excited about sharing it. This was like from start to finish, a really exciting conversation. And it makes me want to learn so much more about wordless picture books and figure out how I can incorporate them in my own, you know, speech therapy and work with my, my clients. So thank you so, so much. Is there anything that we didn't touch on or anything you want to add? 
No, I don't think so. I, I will give you the link for the, the five top benefits. That's the freebie guide because okay. I think that that gives people sort of an introduction if they are tentative about it or they're kind of like, not, they, some people have never even heard of them, like did not know that there were books <laughs> without words. So I think that that's kind of, they're also called silent books sometimes. If you Google that on the internet, you might even find lots of titles like that as well. So yeah, I, I will give you that as well for your show notes that people could have as a freebie. Awesome. Thank I'm you so much, Hannah. Dive deep into your IGTVs so that I can <laughs> enhance my wordless picture book unit with my kindergartners. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'll be doing tonight. <laughs> Start to finish. Been yeah, there. I put them, I saved them all as in a guide as well. So when oh, right perfect. below, right below the, um, or you can just go to the tab with my IGTV, but yeah, the, those are, I tried to save them all as a guide so that people could start there and kind of work through whether they just wanted a quick book. Yeah. But thank you so much for having me. It was really great to talk with you as well. I love following you on Instagram. So it's great to like see people in real life. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you. We may, we may call you back for the structured literature literacy for sure um, as well so thank you so much Hannah all right thank you thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the podcast if you're interested in learning more on the topics of language literacy and play head on over to our website at www.languageliteracyplay.com. Check out our online courses, join our email list, and become a member to access all of our free resources.